welcome to a special edition. I think that's what it is, Jay Posner. It's a special edition of the Hot Lava Podcast. Padres begin tomorrow as we uh, tape here on Wednesday. Uh, Padres begin on Thursday, four-game series against the Chicago Cubs. We're in a virtual tie for first place in the uh, NL Central as we speak. And, and Jay, um, we're going to talk about the, the uh, trade that the Padres made like <laughs> two weeks ago, the <laughs> trades uh, they didn't make uh, leading up to the trade deadline. But let's first talk about the, the Cubs and how that starts off a closing schedule for this awful Padres team that is a killer. I, I know it was amazing to look yesterday and start looking at some some numbers and and seeing that the Padres are are on pace for a hundred losses, which is something I believe they've only done once since 1974. Uh, and then looking at the schedule and thinking, well, I'm sure it's going to get easier. And it's exactly the opposite of that. They play as of, as we tape this because the angels haven't played yet today. They play two teams in the final two months that have a losing record. They have four against the reds, three against the Rangers and everybody else they play. I think it's 45 out of 52 games remaining. Everyone else has at least a 500 record. And you would probably argue that just about all those teams with the exception of the Angels and probably the Giants. I don't really consider them a playoff yeah. team. I would say those are probably the only two teams right now that are not in contention for the playoffs, and the Padres will be playing all of them. And as they try to avoid a 100-loss season, I believe you've done the math. What, what's the record? How many wins do they need here? Well, they have 52 games to go, and I want to get at it this way. You remember the gauntlet that we considered the beginning of the season, and there were some of the same teams uh, and, and some different ones, but it was uh, mostly teams with winning records. Remember that gauntlet? Right, right. That was uh, I looked at that, and I considered that the, the middle of the Cardinals series, which they lost the first two and won the final two, and that's when the Padres actually started to play better. But that was 54 games, and they played that in 10 under, the Padres did. They were what a... 32 and uh, or 22 and 32 they played that okay they would need to do something similar they would need to go 21 and 31 in this closing stretch play it at 10 under to have messed to finish with 99 losses and cons- <laughs> and considering we just saw a month where they went five and 20 um it's hard to be terribly optimistic about that um you know, maybe some of the young guys that'll come up, uh, you know, where's Brett Kennedy? Where's Luis Urias? Let's see those guys already. We are going to. That's the whole purpose. You know what's funny, Jay? Look, there's no getting around. That's awful. You said not since 1974 have the Potters had a 100-loss season, and I believe you're right because I believe the first five. Once since once since 74. Once. They did once They did do it once under uh, when, oh, when Towers right. was here, and I remember, I think, uh, Tom Krasvick told, told me once that Towers told him there was like never, never any excuse for losing a hundred games. Maybe it wasn't under Towers. Maybe they avoided it under him. But they did it do was, it once. It what year was it? I thought. I thought it was ninety three. That huh. was the last one. Trevor Hoffman's first year. Now that's just off the top of my head, based on the fact that I just spent a lot of time immersing myself in Trevor Hoffman's uh, career. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sure that we'll, I'm sure that someone will make fun of us for not knowing this, and that's so whatever, <laughs> whatever. But whatever. Yeah, it's one. It's it's team. it's one time since seventy four, and I remember yeah. Towers telling Krasovic one year when they were close to a hundred that like there's no excuse for losing a hundred games, um, you know, in this in this day and age or anything like that. So that's and, 
the most amazing thing is, and this is one of those, that's so Padres, San Diego sports type of things, is that the Padres could end up losing, I mean, let's be honest, they could lose 105 games this year um, okay. and yep. still still only have the third pick in the draft because that's how bad the Orioles, although I, as I was walking over here, I noticed the Orioles were, were killing the Yankees today in the Bronx, uh, which might have changed by the time this comes out. But the Orioles are horrible. The Royals are horrible. I think the White Sox are right now even worse than the Padres. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, the, this team could lose all those games and still wind up with like the three or four pick. And that would be just another like, well, that's that's perfect San Diego right there. So, they... And I promise you that in the analysis that I'm writing for Thursday's paper, I'll post online uh, later today on Wednesday, I spend a good portion talking about how horrid and inexcusable and the reasons why the Padres are on this pace. But also one of the main points of my story is, who cares? Okay? <laughs> I do not use that phrase. But what? tell me, Jay, and maybe uh, you're just going to tear up my whole analysis before you've even read a word, what is the difference between a 65-win season and a 75-win season when most of the players, and I'm telling you all but three or four of the players on this roster will not be on the roster if and when the Padres are good in three years. I would say it's, besides the fact it affects your draft pick, it's not much other than the idea that we expected to see a little bit of progress this year. We expected maybe to see that that there would be more than three or four players from uh-huh. this team that would still be around because you know honestly there needs to be more players i mean to to to, to say that you've gone through what the padres have gone through in the last let's say 3 seasons now and to come out of that with you know will myers and eric hosmer and whoever else you want to add to the to the list on your three or four players to me that's not making enough progress there should be guys here right now on this team who are who are better uh, should be better. They should have more players that they want to keep around. And I think that's a sign that, you know, maybe some of these deals they've made in the past aren't turning out so well. Um, you know, if Manny Margot's not around or a number one pick, he like, like Hunter Renfro's He's not, not three. right. If Hunter Renfro is not around and every time Hunter Renfro hits a 420 foot home run, like I saw him hit the other night, you think, gosh, are they going to give up on this guy? Maybe they should. And then he hits this home run. You think, well, maybe they shouldn't. That's a really tough call on what to do with a guy like Hunter Renfro. But, and maybe Austin Hedges is a fourth guy who's, mm-hmm. who's still around at that point. But it just, it just feels like there should be a, a little more uh, from this team. And I guess you could count a couple of the pitchers, you know, Lucchese well, and, and Lauer in, in that group. So it'll be, I, I think it'll be more than three or four. But at the same yeah, time, I'm only willing to guarantee. Right, there would be three or four. and there and there could be trades involved and all that, but I, I guess yeah. what I'm saying is, I, I think, look, I thought this team would be this bad last year, and mm-hmm. they ended up winning more games than I think anybody figured they would. Maybe this is the regression mm-hmm. this year, as they're they're paying for for you know being above playing above their their way last year. Uh, so maybe it, it it's kind of a regression uh, type thing, but I I just think. It, if you're going to be bad, be bad. And I think that was one of the things about last year was we kind of thought they'd be worse. And then people thought, well, maybe if they, if they improve a little bit, you're getting closer to 75 wins and, and everything. But that, you know, this is not a 75 win team. It's, it's not even going to be a 65 win team. So I guess maybe, you know, if you're going to be bad, be really bad, but there's got to be some signs here pretty soon Mm -hmm. that things are turning around because as we know, 
people are already very frustrated. Uh, and, you know, even even my wife the other day, who is a real trooper and loves baseball, loves going to games, they fell behind 3 nothing the other day on a home run by Chase Darno of all people. And uh, it was like, wait, didn't he play here last year and never do anything? And, you know, and then the Padres blew a couple more chances, and it was kind of like, I don't know how much longer I can keep watching this team. So <laughs> if, hard out. if they're starting to lose her, then I think they're starting you know, then, then that's a, that's a bad sign. So, uh, anyway, going forward, we'll see what happens. I, you, you don't want to put too much on wins and losses, but you don't want to just completely discount it either. No, no. And they should be a sign of progress, except for all the little factors that go into it. And I'm t- only marginally talking about injuries, but I'm talking about if this, not, if this guy isn't your pitcher and this guy wasn't supposed to be up batting in this spot right here. And there's just so many things that you go, ah, what really is the difference? How many times did we think a, a strong second half by the Padres? Right, you know, right. No, I, lead to something. I, I agree with that. And I think there are times where it's good that Andy Green leaves a guy in to pitch and yeah. try to pitch his way out of trouble. It happened with, with Robert Stock yesterday. He pitched himself into a bases loaded jam and he pitched his way out of it as well. So that's the kind of thing you like to see. You know, if you were contending for a title, maybe it, Maybe you'd make certain moves at certain points. I, I do think that one thing they need to do, and, and we saw this the other day, is they've got to do something about this bunting. Uh, whether guys are bunting on their own or they're being called on to bunt. I mean, Corey Spangenberg bunted the other day when there's no reason to bunt. Hedges bunted the other night. I'm assuming it was on his own. You know, Matt Strom came up and couldn't get a bunt down. It's like every time they try to bunt, something bad happens, which is normally what happens when you try to bunt. But that's a that's another story. But it, no, just it little is. little Jay, things like that are, are annoying because yeah. you, you want to see them play smarter than, than that. It's one thing to lose – and kind of lose, I guess, the right way maybe. But it's another thing to to play kind of stupid baseball and make mistakes like we've seen them make this year. Then, And you'd, you'd like to see them cut some of that out. So before we get to the, the, the trades and the non-trades, um, let's, I wanted to say this. I've been away from the team for five days, and, and a few of the things you mentioned in there happened in those five days. And I have uh, on my list of things is to find out, you know, there was a time where Corey Spangenberg had the green light to do this because they wanted Corey Spangenberg to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Just like they've given Manuel Margot the green light sometimes when they maybe, well, definitely wouldn't have a few times because they wanted to see what Manuel Margot could figure out on his own for the future. So I want to know, like, just how bad were these guys reamed after these mistakes? And, and, and it was it the same thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to see if this guy's smart enough to do this here. Um, and so, you know, those are among the things you say you'd rather lose the right way. It's almost like, well, but they lost the wrong way. So, you know, but it was, was it a learning experience or did they find out, um, that guy's not a part of our team. <laughs> right. And, and that, I guess that's the thing. Does someone like Austin Hedges learn from, from that, from what he did the other night? Uh, I mean, I don't think Even a bunt was—I don't think a bunt was a terrible thing in that situation, but it has to be coordinated with the runner on third base. Now, as it turned out, it was—it was good that Villanueva did, wasn't. If it was a suicide squeeze, he might have made it. If it was a safety squeeze and he ran anyway, he never would have made it. He made the right call staying at third base. But if Hedges is going to bunt there, it's one of those things you have to push the bunt toward first base. And maybe he did learn something from it. I don't know. So you are correct on that. Jay, let me ask you this. Um, I'm all sorts of, uh, again, beat writer, and I'm, I'm just uh, telling you what I know and what I hear, but like, I'm all sorts of impressed <laughs> that these guys did not trade for Chris Archer. 
No, I, I am too. And I, I guess, you know, it's like, Hey, they didn't, they didn't make a bad move, so we should be happy about it. But you know, <laughs> this team's made so many bad moves through the years that maybe it's a good thing when, when they don't do one. I, I did not think that was a smart move. I think we talked about it previously. Uh, Bryce Miller wrote a column about it as well. It just, none of that made any sense. I mean, the pirates gave up a guy who was impressive when I saw him play against the Padres, uh, when you were back there a while back, Austin Meadows looked like he mm-hmm. it he was be their number one prospect, right? was pretty good, uh, pretty good player. And, and, um, you know, look, if, if Pittsburgh wants to make something of that great, I just didn't think this was the right time for the Padres, uh, would have liked, seems like it would have been a good thing if they could have uh, done something with Tyson Ross. But from what you wrote, sounds like they had something all set and then it got blown up when Perdomo, uh, got hurt. Do you think that would have gone, you think that was going through? It sure sounded to me like it was going through. So, and I don't know what they were going to get back. It may well, uh, you know, probably not much. Let's be honest. Or, or one of AJ Preller's high risk. You know what was what was really the risk there? Giving up Perdomo and yeah. Ross is going to be gone anyway. Right. You know one of uh, his his high uh, profile seventeen year olds that may or may not uh, mm-hmm. you know, have a high ceiling. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I think so that that's why that. that's why you kind of would have liked to have seen something because yeah. anything at this point, you know, a guy with with a chance to be good in three years, I think, is better than than having a guy like Tyson Ross around. Not because Tyson Ross can't pitch, but just because you don't figure him as part of the future and I'm not sure you know we've seen a lot of Perdomo this year and it just doesn't seem to be working out for him um so I but as far as guys like Yates and and Stammen I mean we could still see them traded this month um I I wouldn't be surprised if uh or in the offseason if either one was gone or yes in the uh in the offseason and I I think Yates is the one guy that seems to have would you would think would have the most value um I think that I still can't believe Pardon? I did. I really thought Yates was going to be gone. I still think uh, the best a- team for Yates to go to, the team that should trade for Yates is the Dodgers. Um, you know, they still need a setup guy, but maybe that just doesn't work out and, and the the Padres are, are wary of dealing with the Dodgers or whatever the situation nope, is. I don't think they are. I don't, and obviously uh, everyone knows the Dodgers, the upgrades they made, but they, they still need bullpen help from the outside. It would certainly seem that way. Um, I... I'll be interested. The Padres are going to put subject all these guys, like more more players than you know we actually ever even think about, are are, are put on waivers uh, this month, and and uh, we'll see. <laughs> maybe maybe the Dodgers, you know, <laughs> maybe the uh, the Diamondbacks or the Rockies have to have to claim Kirby Yates or something. I, it'll right, be interesting. Right. <laughs> no, I th- I think that it, it does make things interesting going forward for for August to see if somebody does pick up these guys. I mean, I, I think Stammen has he went through a stretch where he wasn't very good. Um, it looks like he's gotten through that uh, a little bit, so maybe you get a little something for him um, as you as they tried with Ross. Maybe you package a couple guys together, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I I definitely would be surprised if we didn't see somebody moved. In uh, along, later this month, all along, even though I guess I like I said, as it, as it got closer, I expected that Yates or Stammen. And different times yesterday, I thought you know Yates. Oh, oh wait, it's going to be Stammen. Um, but all along, I thought August. And I don't know about Blockbuster. I don't know, you know, because it's after the the uh, non waiver deadline, so things can get done. I don't know the magnitude, but all along, I figured there'd be more activity for these guys in August than there was going to be in July. After hand, obviously. Okay, so that gives us something to look forward to in August, then. Sure. 
Yeah, sure. So, um, and then all along, I mean, with, you know, look, they're not gonna, they, they want to package some of these guys. I mean, t- listen, what the, as we wrap this up, and we'll look forward to off-season trades. And so in addition to, you know, Hunter Renfro showing that possibly he could be a part of uh, the now, in addition, or a part of this team in the future, in addition to Carlos Aswahe, Corey Spangenberg, uh, Travis Jankowski, you know, desperately trying to show they could be utility guys on a championship Padres team, uh, one of these pitchers, Robert Stock, let's say, showing that he's a viable relief option for this team. You know, kind of the uh, the hard-throwing Adam Simber. Well, what happened to Adam Simber? He got traded. All these guys are also trying to show that they could play on other teams, and that's what the Padres want to see out of them the, the rest of the season so that they can work some packaged trades in the offseason. They plan to be very busy in the offseason, constructing their roster for not just 2019, but the future. Right, right. Well, I, I think we all can't wait for 2027 when this all comes together and uh, <laughs> and, and we start making plans for those playoff sections uh, uh, from our, from our old age homes. Well, I will tell you this, and I'm going to include in my to talk about how uh, improvement in the standings is not linear. Okay, uh, and I talk about some of the teams, the recent World Series teams that you would think that none of the obvious ones you would compare to. Uh, the Padres and their situation and what they're trying to do. And, and it just, it wasn't, it was not linear. You didn't go from 70 to 80 to 90 wins in the World Series. It does, it just, you know, it happens, but it doesn't happen for teams like the Padres, the Astros, the Cubs even. Um, but then I was looking at the Royals. Oh man, that was a long period of awfulness. <laughs> oh yeah. And then they were really good for a couple of years and now they're just horrendous again. So, I mean, I, I will say this, if the, if the Padres are, are going to get something built here, it would be nice if it lasted for longer than it did for the Royals. Um, because you would like to see this be a competitive and look, it, it doesn't mean going to the playoffs every year, but I just, I think the idea is to be in contention every year because then if you do go to the playoffs, you know, three out of every five years or something like that, and you're in contention the other years. I mean, you keep, you build something that way, but just to be good for one or two years and then to be horrible again, I, I, you know, I guess that would be better than what we're seeing now, but we, we're, we're hoping to see a little more than that. That's the opposite of what they're trying to do. If that's what you were going to try to do, then just keep doing what you were doing, which was the old, you know, hope for all the best every year, right? Right. And make the playoffs once every five years. But I have an idea for our very popular um, polls. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, here, how about this? Would you be okay with being the Royals if you could go to two World Series and win one? Win the Padres win their first ever World Series. Would you be okay with they had what an eighty-five win season? They didn't make the playoffs, and then I think th- and then obviously they went to the World Series and then won the World Series. Would would Padres fans? Be okay with being the Royals. My prediction is that that Padre fans would be okay with that because one title at this point would be worth any would be worth everything, uh, and doing whatever they need to do to win one title. Now, I think the way the Padres are going about trying to win a title is the right way, but I but I do think that people here would be more than okay. Considering they've been to two World Series in 50 seasons, I, I think going to back to back World Series and winning them winning one, I think. The, the majority of people would sign up for that in a second. 
and I agree, and I absolutely see it, and I might be one of those people just to experience it locally, and then, um, and this could go on forever, but then I wonder what the reaction would be when you're back to being the Royals and you have, what, 29 victories? Well, it'd be hor- it, it would be what you would expect it to be, but at least people would, everybody would have their championship t-shirts and their and and their forty dollar championship hats and their and, and their memories of the parade and and all that you. stuff. What's that? The parade, right? I was gonna say and and the, the parade. parade. <laughs> Pictures at the parade. All right, Jay. I think the parade's a All long right, way Jay. off, Kevin. But uh, in the meantime, you have a weekend at Wrigley Field, which is about as good as it gets in this game. So enjoy that. Now, now Jay, I know I'm safe to say this to you because you know that I, I work fairly hard, but. Can you believe someone pays me to go to Cooperstown and Wrigley Field back to back? I yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's very. very kind. I, I'm not sure I can believe we pay you that much, but the fact you get paid is a different story. No, I'm just kidding. You're worth every penny, of course. Hey, let me tell you something. There's no, this is why it perplexes me not to give uh, not to you know acknowledge that I read any sort of uh, mean tweets or anything. But how could I ever be seen as complaining when I got a job like this? Are yeah. you kidding me? Cooperstown to Wrigley. Wow, this is awesome. And then Milwaukee, the home, later, Bud's, the home of Bud Selig. You have to see if they have a Bud Selig hey, plaza up there. If I, I need to know wait. if there's a Bud Selig plaza at Miller you Park. You did notice that, right? Right. I, I'm not sure. I think I included it in one of my Trevor stories. You did notice who Trevor's next to in the plaque gallery in the I, Hall of Fame, right? I did notice that. And I also <laughs> I also noticed that Trevor also, uh, among the many people that Trevor mentioned in his speech, was Bud Selig, um, yes. who was his boss for a couple of years. So, uh, But anyway, we will talk to you from Milwaukee at the beginning of the week and we'll uh, we'll see if the Padres can can get off this losing streak or if it'll reach double figures before we talk again. This was fun. I'll talk to you later. All right, Kevin.